Whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you're producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA not for a lack of interaction that most of us are lonely but it's for lack of intimacy it's for lack of having a few close people who like see us in ways that feel really good you gotta pick yourself up go backwards and slam yourself at the wall like 500 more times until the wall crumbles 25 percent of middle school girls already believe they'll never achieve their dream career career hi i'm kara golden founder and ceo of hint and you're listening to unstoppable a podcast spotlighting the journeys of inspiring entrepreneurs I believe that at its core, leadership is about constantly learning from the people around you. And I'm so inspired by the conversations we're having in our upcoming episodes and can't wait to share them with you. This season, some of my guests include Rebecca Minkoff, fashion designer and founder of the Female Founder Collective, Diana Kapp, author of Girls Who Run the World, Andrew Dudham, founder of Hymns, and Eugene Rem, co-founder of Rumble Fitness, and much, much more. Plus, we ask the million-dollar question, what does it really take to be unstoppable? Unstoppable. Let's find out. Hi, everybody. It's Kara from Unstoppable, and I'm so excited to have Shasta Nelson here today. And just a little bit about Shasta, in case you guys don't know. First of all, we're going to talk a lot about 
her newest venture, and she is a, an experienced author. As many of you know, I have my book coming out, and Shasta and I have gotten to know each other a little bit because she's given me little tidbits and advice because this is her third book. <laughs> I'm like so jealous about just all like the mountain she's climbed to, you know, all of the knowledge and, and really launching all of these, and, and her other books are great too. But this book is, is really, really exciting. The book is called The Business of Friendship. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, but just a little bit about Shasta. So Shasta Nelson is a friendship expert and leading voice on loneliness and creating healthy relationships. You know, honestly, I think especially we're recording this during COVID and I think it's at a time when really, really relevant to talk about this. And I know I've been having sort of side conversations with a lot of my friends on this topic. So I'm very, very excited to talk to Shasta about this, but she's been working to remove the stigma of and reduce our experience of loneliness for over 12 years as a community facilitator, author, and she's also, I've seen you speak before as a keynote speaker. But basically, Shasta, you may have also caught her on uh, the Katie Couric's Katie Show, been on Fox Business, lots of other shows along the way. Her, like I mentioned, this is her third book. The first and second books, what the, the names of those? The first one is Friendships Don't Just Happen. And that's about okay. making friends as an adult. And then the second one is Friendtimacy, how to deepen friendships for lifelong health and happiness. I love, mm -hmm. I love it, love it, love it. So welcome, Shasta. Thank so, you, thank you, thank you. So take us back to the beginning and how did you become the friendship expert? Oh my goodness. Well, and it's so funny that you would ask that because one of my beginning stories, not the beginning, but one of the beginning stories includes you. And I was, it started by me really, I was a life coach and I was doing a lot of work with amazing female clients and they were, you know, just going for big goals, wanting new jobs, wanting to make big decisions about relationships. And I would always ask in those conversations, like who's supporting you? Like how, like who are your friends right now? And what are they saying? Because I knew that their success and whatever they were really talking about and hiring me for came down to what their friends were saying and how much support they felt and almost to a person these amazing women were just like, yeah, I don't really confide in these kinds of things. I don't really have that kind of friendship with anyone, or I just went through a divorce and yeah, it feels like all the friendships are kind of up in the air or I just moved, you know, six months ago and kind of like, and the stories just kept being so repetitive that I was like going to bed at night being like, these are amazing kick-ass people from all around the country. And the same theme is that they don't feel like they have close friends. And so that's what kind of put me on a, on a path of going to bed one night being like, who do I know in Chicago that I can introduce to this client? And I was like, we need a way to like match make our friends and like be like, I have a friend in Chicago. I can share with your friend in Chicago and like get them together. So I started a community 2008 called girlfriendscircles.com. And it was like a match.com an early match.com for female friends, kind of a concept. One it. of the first big events we did here in San Francisco was a sex in the city movie screening an advanced movie screening. And somebody I know reached out to you at hint and asked if you would be a sponsor. And I remember uh, I was like, why would they sponsor? I'm like, I'm just like some girl doing some like events. I but love sure it. enough, you not only were like giving, you were like, yes, we're gonna give hint water to everybody who comes to the screening, but you're like, we're gonna send people there to make sure it's chilled and we're gonna hand it out. And I remember just being like, I just have to say thank you again. Yeah, I know I wrote something way back in the day, but those were the early days and you were just like, yep, showing up for that. I love it. So thank you. Yeah, and ever since then I've been, 
gathering women, doing retreats and trips all around the world. We do international trips. I teach, I speak, and yeah, I just keep writing about it. I can't get off the subject. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Love it. So, you know, you wrote your first book and like, what do you think was the kind of the, the biggest challenges that you saw? I'm sure you had a lot of learnings just from, you know, being out speaking and talking to people after they wrote the book. What were the, like the key things that you were hearing from people? How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? 
you can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. Yeah. So one of the, I mean, one of the first things I heard that prompted my first book, Friendships Don't Just Happen, was so many of us are lonely and we just want these close friendships, but we don't know how to get them. Like we can't just walk up to each other in the grocery store and be like, hey, you look fun. Let's be friends. And like exchange phone numbers. We don't know how to like hit on each other. We don't have like flirting for friends. You know, I mean, all this stuff, dating is hard too, but we have like a protocol and rituals and expectations around it. And with friendship, it was really challenging to figure out how do you make friends? So the first book was for that. But then when I was out speaking about it, I kept hearing over and over and over that for so many of us, and this really has shaped my work forever since then, and done a lot of my research and my studies have been shaped by continuing to hear that for so many of us, our loneliness, it's not from a lack of interaction. Like actually, most of us have a network. Most of us are peopled out, actually. There's a lot of people coming home exhausted from people. We're doing customer service or serving people all day and in healthcare and teaching. And like, we're coming home and, and we're, we don't identify as lonely because we're just like, I just want to shut the door and be by myself. And so it's not for a lack of interaction that most of us are lonely, but it's for lack of intimacy. It's for lack of having a few close people who like see us in ways that feel really good. And so I've really been about helping us, rem- helping remind us that loneliness doesn't mean you're some hermit out in the mountains that have no social yeah. skills and no friends. Loneliness means you wish that you had a little bit more deep connection in your life and you wish you felt more supported and you wish you felt like you had those people that were there for you no matter what. And statistically speaking, most of us don't have that. The studies are really unfortunate and then heartbreaking. It's been really, I've been in this field now for over a decade. But the last couple of years, the research, we're finally getting way more voices uh, in healthcare and sociologists. Cigna just came out with a huge, uh, one of the biggest studies last year, 61% of us report feeling lonely on a regular basis. And that's before COVID. And so the bulk of us don't know that we really have somebody who sees us. And so that loneliness is really prevalent for all of us. And it's important for us to like kind of name that and say, okay, all right, so I need some more connection in my life. What do I do with that? <laughs> So did you see mostly women reaching out to you about this too? I'd be so curious to sort of know. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, that statistic, because I think that, you know, I actually 
happen to have a lot of men that are friends of mine mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know that that's sort of a whole other side of this as well where i feel like you know this there's this concept that you can't actually be friends with people that you're not dating right yeah i feel like there's you know oftentimes the stigma around that too where it's it's anyway i i'd be so yeah curious. yeah so much in that question and i love it yeah so first of all one of the things that i'm super passionate about is that the need for intimacy and relationship is a human need it's not a women's issue and so it really bothers me that we have treated this like a women's subject for so long when just when we kind of generalize we think of friendship and we think of a bunch of girls hanging out and so We've done a huge disservice to men in general by not giving permission, encouraging, respecting, teaching, training, modeling for men to have deep friendships. And that, those are some of my favorite emails over the years have been men writing me who have read my books and are like, I wish that we could do friendship like this. I wish we didn't have to have the guise of getting together to watch a sports game to actually connect or to to be vulnerable with each other. And so the need is so, so huge there. And I would I can get on a whole soapbox on men in general and their friendships. I think it's one of the reasons they die younger than women. I think it's why they marry, remarry after death and divorce quicker because the only place we've told them it's okay to have intimacy is in romantic relationships. And so it's way, you know, women get to have a lot more of our emotional needs met in our friendships than men we've often allowed to do. So yeah, men's friendships are so important to me. And we've often continued my pub, my previous publisher. In fact, like we just have marketed the books to women because they're like, men aren't going to be interested. Men aren't going to buy the books. And I'm really excited that my new book is co-ed and it is in the business section, which hopefully will make it more readable for the men. And the science is showing that men are scoring lonelier in the workplace than women. So it is a really, really big need that we need to be addressing and talking about. And your question about mixing the genders, I am a big fan of that too. And so I teach friendship on a triangle that all relationships start on the bottom of that triangle and as they increase the three requirements of relationship they move up the triangle and so i always say it's, it's your job to identify how far up the triangle you want some of those friendships to be and where and having that conversation with your with your significant other and all that kind of stuff but absolutely we should be able to have friendships with anybody if we were saying that you could never be friends with anybody you might be romantically attracted to where that's like a that's a total bummer for for people who aren't heteronormative totally. i mean it's just there's so many yeah just big limitations with that i think the bigger thing is just let's be thoughtful and intentional and make sure that what we're most afraid of is is just threatening that romantic relationship and understanding what the difference between those two is what they are and how we can protect both i think is a more important question I think that's huge. So most people that I know are working remotely right now. Yeah. And although I do have some people who are essential workers that are that are out, you know, working, but the majority of people are working remotely. So how can we feel close when we're working remotely? Yeah, well, let me back up one question and just answer maybe, let me start with just naming what those three requirements of relationship are, because then we know that those same three requirements that I re referenced in that triangle, whether we're in person in an office or on a team or out on the floor at the hospital or at the retail center or wherever we are, or if we're remote, it's the same three things. And so how we do those three things might look different, but it's the same three things that bond people. So when we look at all the science, what makes for healthy teams, what makes for why some people feel closer to each other than others, what makes for a healthy relationship, what makes for a good marriage. When we look at everything that social scientists are studying when they're looking at healthy relationships and we break them all down and, 
there's three things that show up in every single study. And those three things I just call the relationship requirements and it's positive positivity. So at the bottom of the triangle, it has to feel good. <laughs> None of us want a relationship that doesn't feel good. So quick and dirty on that one is just more positive emotion than negative emotion. In fact, science says we need to have five positive emotions for every negative emotion. So positive emotions are laughter and humor and acts of service and touch and eye contact and inspiration and hope and pride and celebration and affirmation and gratitude and empathy, like everything that leaves you feeling good. And then the two arms up the triangle are consistency and vulnerability. So consistency is consistent, reliable interaction. That's the way our friendship creates a pattern. That's what ends up leaving us feeling trusting and that we can rely on each other. It lets us feel safe. We have a sense of our history gets built. This is how we end up logging the hours that allow us to get to know each other. So consistency is how we communicate and how we interact. And then vulnerability is how we feel seen and what stories we tell and how much we feel known and how much of ourselves we feel accepted and can express in our various relationships. And so at the bottom of the triangle, you have low vulnerability, low consistency, and not a ton of positivity yet. And as you practice those three things, you move up the triangle, up to the top of the triangle, where we have our closest of bestest of friends who have the highest vulnerability with us, the highest consistency, and the highest expressed positivity. And so when we're looking at remote workplaces, if I were to kind of speak to what I'm seeing happen, I think a lot of our remote workplaces have done a really good job of putting in the consistency. We have found the technology that helps us to interact and be productive and be consistent and, and get our work done. But from what I'm hearing, a lot of us are missing the positivity and the vulnerability. We are getting off the end of the day from all these calls and we don't necessarily feel more positive. We don't feel more accepted. We don't feel more cheered for. We don't feel more celebrated necessarily. And we're not necessarily all getting off feeling more seen and feeling like our feelings, our emotions, our stories, our circumstances are being as, as expressed. And so for any of us, I think the invitation is to look and say, of these three things, which one would make the biggest difference in my team right now or in my relationship? But those are the three things that all of us have to be paying attention to and assessing in our relationships in order to feel close to each other. I was in this. Twitter conversation the other day with somebody that I know, and she was saying that through this shelter in place and, and, you know, she's really reflecting on friendships and she felt like she had too many friendships and maybe mm. the wrong friendships, mm. Um, mm. which I thought was like, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting. And I remember mm -hmm. years ago, I sort of had that feeling really when I was first starting to work and you know really looking at my friendships and and figuring out i didn't actually like phone them and say you're off the list <laughs> like i but i just, you didn't make the cut <laughs> yeah i didn't but i think it's really figuring out who you are and ultimately what you value and and then to be honest with you sometimes like through my journey i have four kids and they're older now i think there were some friendships especially for friends of mine who didn't have children, they weren't going through the same life stages where now yeah. we're back, right? Yeah. Where, yeah. you know, I'm not sort of in kid carpool and, you know, talking about those things that were really, you know, creating anxiety in my life or, mm -hmm. you know, stuff that, that I was absorbed in that they weren't absorbed in, mm -hmm. but now it's sort of more stuff that, that we can kind of connect on. So I'm super curious, like, if you see situations like that where people feel, I mean, it sounds like it where you don't have the trust with these people, but do you feel even during this time where people are able to reflect a little bit more, they're not just going through emotions 
because they don't see these people as much. Like what sort of that kind of key thing? Yeah, it makes me think of two things. It's uh, one is that for sure, we this helps remind us that just having a social busy life isn't the same as not being lonely, right? Mm-hmm. So we could, uh, this is really waking a lot of us up where we are just like, wow, I'm, I don't have these people that I can just like really rely on during this time. I know a whole bunch of people and I was interacting and I was busy every night of the week and I was at events and I may have been a part of all these big gatherings and groups and networks and associations, but who am I really able to keep calling and staying in touch with? And so it reminds a lot of us, it's a great evaluation for stepping back and saying, and when you look at the triangle, you can't be, none of us have the time and energy and capacity to be that consistent and that vulnerable with that many people, right? And so the vast majority of our relationships are going to be on the bottom third of that triangle, the bottom half of that triangle. And your point that Twitter conversation is a great illustration of my point earlier that for many of us, we're missing the intimacy, the top of the triangle. And so we might have a whole bunch of relationships on the bottom part of that triangle. And what we're craving is a couple of those relationships that move all the way to the top and that we prioritize and that we, they are the people we can fight and share our vulnerability with first. And they are the people that we uh, say yes to and that we you know, carve out time in our, in our calendar to be consistent with them. And for most of us, that is the call is to identify who are the people that you're willing to keep practicing these three things with over and over and over, because you can't do it with everybody. And you keep, it's not friend or nothing. It's not all everybody equal. It's like, we have to invest some resources in these three things. And the commonality that you bring up helps those three things. So one of the really fascinating things in the science is that having things in common doesn't guarantee a bond. So we could, t- we could match you up with a whole bunch of people that you have a, another amazing CEO, another person who has four kids, another person who lives in San Francisco, and it's not going to produce any more of a bond for you. We often think we need to have certain things in common and they are actually showing that even having the same worldview doesn't mean that we can't bond with each other. How those commonalities or life stages do help is if they help us do these three things. And so if we have a carpool with the same kids or we're going to the school with the kids and we're seeing the same parents over and over, the consistency is there for us. Or if we feel more insecure about these parenting moments and so we feel safe we're having these conversations and a part of us, our vulnerability, we get to like be seen as as a mom with another mom, then that helps us bond. Or if we end up feeling less judged or more accepted because of something. So if those commonalities help drive our consistency, our positivity and our vulnerability to happen, then that's the magic. But just having things in common We all know people that we maybe have married into the family or maybe we work with. We have become close to people who are not like us at all, who are 20 year age gap. And so we can love and be close to and feel supported by and be seen by anybody as long as these three things happen. But commonalities can be a driver for those three things, if that makes sense. So for you, it makes sense that at certain life stages, your consistency, your time was going to be more limited and it made more sense that you were going to be drawn more to the people who were in that orbit and that you were seeing more regularly and that who had kids because your kids could get together. And so it, it helped make those three things happen. Does that, does that resonate? I don't know. I, I love it. And I think that's true. I feel like, you know, learning too is such a key thing for me. And I wouldn't have said this like 20 years ago, but you know, and I think this is true in business as well, but I think friendships for me are I like to be learning. I actually like people. Mm -hmm. I mean, people are always amazed when they meet my friends because they're all like really different. And, you know, I have friends that do like different levels of education and different, you know, sports. I, I would say like the consistent thread is most of my friends are pretty active you know, Mm -hmm. like they're, Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I think I probably value a lot. And, and I tend to gravitate towards people that are kind of 
maybe high achievers and different types of things, whether they were, you know, a former athlete or, you know, and they still go out, but I don't really care. I don't have to hang out with a bunch of like runners. I, you know, like I have a few runners, I have cyclists, I have, you know, people all swimmers, I have people like all over the place, but I feel like even though I don't necessarily do what they do. And I, again, I think this is true in the work environment that I'm always like telling our managers in the company, like hire people that actually, you know, that you learn from, right. Mm -hmm. And that are, that obviously you can have a conversation with and they're enjoyable, but I really believe the same holds true in friendships that you have to get people that are not just like you, but are people that are actually going to teach you something, not intentionally like teach you something, but are things that you just don't, you know, that kind of educate you on sort of like worldviews or Mm -hmm. things like that. Like, I think a lot of my friends also like to travel as well. We Mm -hmm. don't really travel together, but I'm like, okay, well, you talk to me about going to Egypt or, you know, and let me like, live through your vision. Like I love that kind of, you know, stuff. And so again, I think there's like teaching moments along the way where I feel like that's what our synergies a lot of times is. So it's super, super interesting. I feel like one thing that I'm really, really excited to read in your book is really, you know, how this affects the workplace. And I feel like particularly for millennials, there's been a whole conversation since many of them have you know, frankly, graduated from college around community. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm now hearing from so many people in our company that, you know, community for them is very difficult when it's on a screen. And so a lot of people, even though we've been remote since basically since March in both our New York and San Francisco office, a lot of our team is actually asking to go back to the office and work. And, you know, there's only a few people we've left the offices open to do that. But I, you know, hear like Google not going back until, you know, next year. And I think it's really a challenge. I mean, there's definitely the challenge of people who have, you know, multiple roommates, and they're all on Zoom calls, and it's just like (laughs) too much, right? But I also think just the idea of being around you know, people in these like little friendships and, you know, grabbing a sandwich together and sort of talking is, you know, that community is really hard and you can both order lunch and go on Zoom. But I think it's just, I really think it's, it's hard. It is hard. It is hard. I mean, I think that what's so, um, yeah, I love hearing that feedback that you're getting from your team. That makes me so happy because to me, the reason I wrote this workplace book I mean, there were probably multiple things, but the reason I wrote it initially was because the number one of those three requirements, the number one that everybody said was the hardest for them was the consistency. Just when we think about life, when we think about friends, we think about personal life. And so when we're trying to fit friendship into those three hours we have every evening and the weekends, when we feel like we don't even have enough time with our kids and our spouses, and we need to be running errands and doing chores and getting some things done and watching TV, like I was just like, everyone felt like, how do I get enough consistency with the same people over and over to actually feel close enough where our vulnerability can go up and be higher? And it is hard. I mean, I could talk you into like one more phone call a month or one more weekend trip, and it's just not going to to turn the Titanic around. And so to me, it was like, why don't we go to where we're already spending most of our time? The workplace is the equivalent to what school was for us when we were kids. It's why friendship felt automatic when we were kids, because we had consistent time with the same people over and over and over. 
And the workplace is the closest thing we have to that as adults. And I say workplace in general, whether we're remote, working from home, working by ourselves, we are spending the biggest chunk of every day doing something that matters to us and making a contribution. And of course, that's where we want to be able to have it be seen and be supported by other people. And so that's kind of one of the big reasons. And so it's a little heartbreaking to have, and we do know that the loneliness goes up when people work remote. And it is a little heartbreaking to see so many people making the choice to not come back potentially. It's a little bit like I, I talk about how, I think about how much we're having this conversation around wanting our kids back in school. And we go, we just can't have them home. They need socialization and they need to be around other people. And I'm like, it's the same for all of us adults too. The studies are so clear. We need six hours of socialization a day as adults. And that number seems so high to most of us, but the studies just continue to show that whether we're introvert or extrovert, like we need connection, we need people. And so I think it is a really valid conversation for us to be having of saying, yeah, we can do a lot on Zoom or on whatever video conferencing we're using, but we have lost, like what you were describing, we've lost the spontaneity interaction. We've lost proximity. Proximity is a huge driver for relationships. Who we sit next to, we're more likely to bond to than somebody who's on a different floor in our office. We've lost just kind of the opportunity to have five or 10 minute conversations about what we did over the weekend. We've lost the opportunity to just have short things with just one person passing in the hall. So even if we have a team meeting now and we all go around the circle and answer the question, that's a different dynamic than if just two or three of us are having a conversation. And so, yeah, we've lost a lot, lot of opportunities for connecting and being seen that we have not yet been able to replace with technology. And our young generation, our millennials and our generation Z, I applaud them. I think it's them. When I was doing the research, they're scoring as the loneliest ages right now. So we used to think of loneliness as an aging problem with our elderly. And the truth is our younger generations are scoring as lonelier than our older generations are right now. And I was just looking in my, in my book here and it says that close to 70% of them reported feeling shy and feeling like no one really knows them well. 42% of millennial women were more afraid by double digits compared to other generations of loneliness than a cancer diagnosis. And loneliness is the number one fear of young people today, ranking ahead of losing a home or a job. And I see that not as, I see that as a benefit, a positive of that generation. Quite honestly, I think that all of us, it's a human need to be connected. And there is nothing wrong with having the need. The healthiest among us will say, this is a need I have, like food, like sleep, like I need to drink. And the healthiest among us will say, I need to get this need met. And so their bodies, all of our bodies are wired for it. And I love that they're able to say that they're connected to it. They know it. We all need it. And I think we should be listening definitely to ourselves and each other on that. It's really, really important. And so just as a first step, I mean, just going off of what you were just talking about, I think no matter how old you are actually telling people that you need human interaction and that you need to maybe go back into an office where there's some people you need to get outside and go on a walk. You need to, right? Like, I think it's yep. just, speak yep. Up. Yep. but what else would you say are some quick first steps? Yeah, I mean, I think what you're what you just named is so great because there's a difference between most of us aren't getting enough alone time and most of us aren't getting enough really deep, meaningful connection time. We're getting the stuff in the middle that's just like a whole bunch of interaction. And so it's really important that each of us realize that uh, being alone is not the same as being lonely. So we do need to get outside and go for that walk. And we do need the quietness and find those moments. And we do need the meaningful interactions. And the meaningful interactions can only happen as we repeat consistency, positivity, and vulnerability over and over with the same few people and so it's really important for all of us to realize, and that's kind of why so much of my work has been around trying to remove the stigma of loneliness, because 
our bodies are wired for it. I mean, we, we know that the same way you you feel hungry when you need food, you feel lonely when you need connection. And there's no shame in that. You're not like, oh my goodness, what's wrong with my body? I can't believe it feels hungry. I already fed it three weeks ago. You know I mean? You need it on a regular basis. And the same thing is with connection. And so, yeah, we really want to get better at saying, I mean, if I were to give quick tips, it would be name two or three people that you want to be closer to, that you enjoy, that you're kind of gravitating to. And like, what does that look like to put some consistency in? And the so what we're one idea that we could do with anybody like the workplace, what makes the consistency easy is we don't have to invite over and over and over. We just are seeing each other. And so if you can replicate that in these remote times and just say, what if I end every week talking for 15 minutes with so-and-so we toast the end of our work week. And so let's just put that in the calendar to end 15 minutes on Fridays together so that you don't have to keep inviting like anything you can lock down that becomes a consistent pattern. Let's do a zoom lunch every Wednesday. Let's do this every so like anything you can lock in is going to help you get that consistency without having all the effort of the scheduling. So that's a really big one is to just try to lock a few of those things in. The other thing I would say is we'd be practicing really increasing our positivity right now. We are not going to want to be consistent if we interact and it doesn't leave us feeling good. And so let's make sure we're expressing more than normal our appreciation of each other. And so don't end the phone call without saying, thank you so much for taking this time. Like, I really enjoyed connecting with you. It was fabulous. Thank you. And I look forward to next week. Like, do everything you can to express that because most of us are living with a lot more fear and a lot more stress. And we need to hear that and be like, okay, good. And then we want to show up. Then we're not linked. And I hope that I'm not just intruding on their calendar. I hope they're not doing this just to be nice. You know, I mean, every, those are all of our insecurities. The more we can show up and say, thank you. And to say, oh, when you said this to me, it just left me feeling so much more hopeful about this. And that gave me a great idea. And so expressing our appreciation is going to be, it's glue for bonding and nobody's having too much of it these days. <laughs> so yeah, no, no, yeah, I think, be kind. I think that's super key. Another statistic that I read from some of, of uh, the pieces that I got from your PR firm were senior leaders mm -hmm. were we're lonelier. And, you know, I think like part of the challenge is, is, I mean, I think to some extent it's probably how kids view parents. Like they, you know, they look at senior leaders as they have to have it all together, right? Like it's all about me. Like I'm working for this company. And, and I think the old saying it's lonely at the top. And again, I think mm -hmm. it's not just in your personal life, but also in your work life for so many people and you know nearly 56% of leaders feel like there's no one that they could talk to and and not having those groups i remember i learned from a group that i'm a part of i was been a part of since 2012 that's ewise winning women and i remember one day hearing from some people in this group that the most important thing is to actually get out of the office and actually figure out you mentioned, you know, finding three people that you want to talk to this week. I mean, I'm always, you know, picking out people and saying, hey, I really appreciate things that you say. I mean, I did that to you, right? Like where we connected yep. based on stuff that you were saying. And I mean, frankly, that's why I love social media. I've met mm -hmm. people on all social media platforms as well as just being connected from conferences or, or through friends from events that I go to. But I think that that's also really, really important is to feel like, you know, how do you get connected? And especially when you're going through a time where you like, it doesn't stop when things have to be virtual too. I've had calls with some of these people. I'm also involved in another group YPO where I find like some of those things, you know, just get on a call with somebody and talk to them about, Hey, what's going on? Like, what's, you know, 
how's your world going? What's challenging for you right now? Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. it's amazing how, you know, oftentimes you leave those meetings as just feeling better, right? And feeling more connected. And it may not happen for another year, but you feel like, oh, that person really made me think. At least that's how I've felt. But I think that that's just such another point. I'm so excited to read this book. And I think it's got so much value truly for, you know, mm -hmm. so many. So I'm, I'm very, very excited about it. So out August 18th. That's right. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Very exciting. So author Shasta Nelson, The Business of Friendship. I asked two last questions. What's your favorite hint flavor? Well, now ever since you held up your bottle of Clementine, that's all I can think about. That looked amazing. Yeah, it is. It's super, it's super yummy. And that great picture that you have in the background, it's about the same color. I'm, I'm looking at the, <laughs> the Clementine orange in the background, which is that's great. That's the cover, that's the, that's the, color I know. the cover of my book. It's I know. That's what I, that's what I wanted you to hold up. That's, that's terrific. That's, I guess that's where I made that connection unconsciously. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. And then what makes you unstoppable? Mm, such a great question. Being emotionally connected to something like the people or the projects or the issues, like if I'm emotionally connected to it, like this friendship thing, or like when you just brought up leadership, like just feeling so, I get just emotionally passionate about leaders feeling connected and leading from a place where they feel seen and supported and safe. And yeah, anytime I'm emotionally connected and invested, like you won't stop me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Love it. So if people want to connect with you online, where's the best place? Well, ShastaNelson.com for it's like for all the professional stuff with speaking and everything, but I'm all over on the social media too. I love YouTube. I do tons of videos. I love Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. And then uh, for anybody we're doing a, uh, bundles for anybody who, who orders the book you can go to the business friendship.com and we have like team resources there we have 35 different sharing questions that team leaders can use with teams and we have bonus chapter there on how to maintain friendships after you leave a job if anybody's been fired recently or laid off that's a good one uh, we've got book discussion guides on there so all kinds of resources i uh, got bundled up and that's at the business of friendship.com I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Oh. Everybody go out and, and get this book for sure. And also check out the very, very inspiring Shasta Nelson. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Super, thank super you. fun. Yeah, totally. Thanks everybody. And go ahead and go to Unstoppable. If you haven't subscribed, go to Unstoppable as well and get the subscription. We're doing now twice a week, Mondays and Wednesdays with all kinds of really, really amazing guests. So super, super exciting. So thanks everybody. If you like what you heard, please help spread the word and leave us a review. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Please talk to me at Kara Golden on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, be unstoppable. unstoppable. unstoppable.